Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. Perfect. Which you totally remembered and totally did not remember. have to check. I don't know either. Like, especially I've had a couple of days off. We had like a big family reunion type thing. Yeah, actually my brother was supposed to be on the podcast today, but he had to cancel his trip entirely, which was devastating. Like six day trip, he had to cancel it. His brother-in-law was basically like, yeah, life and death scenario. Oh, no. Thing. Yeah, so it's all good, but he was the only one. His brother-in-law was, yeah, just like in a, it was pretty much right before he was about to leave for the plane. And then his brother-in-law was, I'm not going to say dying, but his brother-in-law was like in very bad shape and nobody else was around. So he's like, all right, I'll drive you to the hospital and wait with you. And, you know, he's like, you know, maybe I still could make it. And it just one of those things where you're like, I feel like this is going a certain way. But your brother's a hero and the guy's okay now? Yes, both of those things. But it's hard not to feel a bit selfish because, you know, ultimately you're like, okay, well, I can't be mad about this. Like you, you, <laughs> yeah. if you want to say he saved a guy's life, sure. But you're also like, man, it was my dad's 80th birthday, my parents' 55th anniversary. And like, you never know what these things like, is this the last family reunion we'll get to have? Hopefully not. But you never know. So, but yeah, I mean, not to make my brother feel bad. It's like, obviously things happen and his brother's okay and or his brother-in-law's okay, you know? So it happened. I mean, I, you know, I don't think he's like hundred percent okay, but he's good. He saved him. His sister-in-law, AKA that guy's sister is a doctor as well. Of course, she wasn't around, which actually would have been... Why couldn't she have saved yeah, this right? guy's life? Yeah, I guess the sisters were off on a trip or something somewhere, and Rich was, like, on his way to go to a trip. So, like, good, you know, but it was just, like, it got very wacky. You know, we had all this planned out, and then he was going to be on the podcast. I was going to have a bad movie night. We were going to go to Targ. Actually, the Friday he was supposed to get here, there was a show at Targ, a band he really likes. So this was all this big, elaborate thing, and it's just gone, you know? And again, it's like, it happens. Obviously, health is more important, but it's just when you're, like, planning this thing for months, and then you're, like, rug pulled out. You're like, okay, wait, what's, no, what do we do now? And then you're trying to keep up the intensity, and, and me and my sister were sort of planning it all, and you don't want to, like, you're like, okay, yeah, that sucks, but we still have to put this on and proceed, you know, with the other people. So it was wild. Your brother's a hero. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's the takeaway. And like, I know he was bummed. Like, it's not a decision he made lightly. And like, I don't know. And it was easy to just be like, the sister is a doctor and the other sister's there and the dad's there. Like, does he really need to be there just to be sitting there the whole time? But again, it's like, you're trying not to be selfish about this and whatever. So, you know, I totally get it. But, you know, we still had a good time, obviously. But it was uh, a lot. It's so off course of any movie related stuff. It's such an interesting, weird thing. Kind of. Though, <laughs> except that he was going to be here. So. Oh, that's that, true. That that's made true. it movie related. He didn't know that he'd be watching. Well, he didn't know what he'd be watching. He knew there'd be a movie. Yeah. But also he was supposed to see Drag Dragon when it played in Calgary. And I told him like months ahead of time, weeks ahead of time. And then on the last day, he's like, oh, I can't make it. I got to go save someone's life. Well, no, that, that was unrelated. <laughs> this was like when Drag Dragon was playing there. This couple, I just like, thought he could do ago. that all the time. Oh, I don't maybe. Know. <laughs> well, and then he was like, oh, maybe we can watch Drag Dragon after the podcast. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Because I was like, that's not. First of all, why would Josh want to watch that again? Second of all, why should I reward you for not going to see it when you had the chance? Yeah. And third of all, you know, we're watching Messiah of Evil. Come on. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but. Spoiler. It's a great movie. So, yeah, I was before you showed up. This is going to be backwards because I think going to tag it after our conversation. Yes. I did this 11th hour interview with a fellow who is an actor and producer of this movie called The Locksmiths, which is coming mm. up to the Mayfair on November 23rd. Okay. And it's a cult comedy. Not a cult comedy in the sense that it's an old movie that became a cult comedy, oh. but an actual comedy about a cult. Wow. Which is what I thought you were going to say. It isn't. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. <laughs> and it was done in London, Ontario, not the other London. And it could become a cult comedy. That's the thing. Yeah. It could be a cult comedy about a cult. Huh. 
it was amazing that for the 15, 20 minutes I chatted with him that I didn't just talk the whole time about Jumbo Video. Right. Because, as you will hear, the movie takes place in a Jumbo Video for a portion of it. Oh, you didn't say that. You said they were sponsored by Jumbo Video. I think they're on their poster, like one of their sponsors, oh, kind of. Man. But, like, I didn't know that these things still existed. There's two in London, Ontario. That's, I, that's yeah, crazy. I mean, I could see maybe if it was, like, an empty Jumbo Video. I could see that. Oh, no, like still a around. working Jumbo Video. Yeah, no, that's 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 a lot. And as we've all worked, I mean, all two of us, yeah, we, yeah. we've all worked at video stores. <laughs> Veterans. So, you know, yeah, I didn't know that part of it took place in one. I'm more on board than I was. Yeah, it looks good. So I'll be talking about that in a bit, but come see The Locksmiths on November 23rd. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to jump into talking about movies because we've got that interview to tag on at the end and we've got a bunch of cool stuff this week. So for the week of Friday, November 17th, our two new films is we're bringing back Anatomy of a Fall, which I haven't seen yet, but I will see on this second round. I hear that it is very good. It's supposed to be great. And I didn't tell you this. Some lady came in who had seen it and without me instigating it, she said how great the dog was. And oh, I said, the dog won an award at the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> a special, was it specifically um, dog award or was it an animal award? It was a palm dog award. It was like, cause that's so, in, if it was animal, I would get it. But like dog, I was like, I th- I'm pretty sure we said this the last time, but like, yeah. how are there enough movies with a dog? <laughs> so I looked it up on the old internet. Cause if you type it in, you can see the list mm-hmm. and it goes back quite some time. But the most famous one in recent memory is the dog in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood got that award. Which I, I gotta be honest, I don't remember there being a dog, but that's like a big thing. It's like the big kind of pit bull dog who helps save the day at the climax of the movie. Brad Pitt's dog. By climax, do you mean like the flamethrower area? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Okay, just to be sure, because I can't. It's been a minute. Yeah, I don't remember that. How dare you not <laughs> remember that dog? I'm not Andrew, all right. Everyone I've only loves seen that it dog. I, I'm sure there's a dog. I, I, <laughs> It's just one of those things like where, you know, you go back through something like we were watching something. I think it was like, I think it was Loki or something like that, you know, and we tried to jump back in. So we watched episode two, I think it was. And then we went to watch three and I was like, I don't remember any of it. Like it does the recap. I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. (laughs) So we rewatched two again. And this is one of those things where sometimes you're there, but there's so much going on. And to remember that you're, if you wait a few days in between, you're like, wow, I am so lost. So yeah, that tends to happen with movies with me where I'm like, I believe what you're saying, (laughs) but I could not tell you point for him what all happened in that film it'd be good if you went full-on angry fake news and we're like there is no dog oh, in once upon a time in hollywood i'm a hundred percent sure is it brad pitt's dog yes okay because it's he seems like he would have a dog like yeah that it's character. a big adorable terrifying looking pit bull dog like i'm manufacturing the memory now in my brain like i'm thinking of all the brad pitt parts but it's mainly him driving fighting bruce lee yeah yeah that's it. Those are the only two things that happen in the movie, I'm pretty sure. Pretty so, sure, yeah. And there's a dog, he says. I don't know. But I'm now even more looking forward to this movie because yeah. I, I want to see this dog. And I assume the dog doesn't die if the woman was praising the dog. Like, oh, they can't kill the dog. That's my biggest thing in any movie where, in a horror movie especially, you can kill 10 people, but I'm just like, oh, don't hurt the dog. I even in to say you could kill 10 dogs. No, like, no. Jesus, Josh, you went right there. In The Killer, which we just screened, which was really good, Yeah. there's a part where The Killer is breaking into some other killer's house to uh, but get... But not the killer. No, not the killer. <laughs> the killer is breaking into a killer's, a killer's house. house. <laughs> and that other lesser killer okay. has a guard dog. Okay. And not even facetious, not joking around. My first thought was like, oh. don't hurt the dog. And I'm assuming he doesn't? I don't or... want to spoil anything, okay. but uh, I think the dog's okay. Because my thought was that he would immediately break the dog's neck. Not because he hates dogs, but of. he's like trying to get to the killer. You yeah, know? and he's hardcore. He's serious. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing personal about the dog, yeah. you know. 
Okay, but, well, but no, uh, the dog. That was my first thought in any movie like that. I'm oof, like, oh, don't hurt the dog. God, I didn't know he goes after other killers. Now I'm like more intrigued. It's a really good movie. Okay, yeah. are we still playing it? Or? No, no, no. Okay, so no, just maybe watch that on your watch own. Watch it somewhere. <laughs> Only if you've seen every movie at the Mayfair. That's right. That week, you can go watch it elsewhere. Yeah, after Anatomy of a Fall and the rest of what he's about. What to am say. I about to say? <laughs> the other new movie this week is a really cool, complicated-looking drama called May December. Hmm. It's Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. And the plot is Julianne Moore is a teacher who 20 years ago started a relationship with her teenaged student. Oh, no. And 20 years later, they're still together. Oh, shit. And Natalie Portman is in the biopic and comes into their lives to study them. Wait, the biopic of the teacher? Of the teacher. Like a movie within a movie kind of. Kind of, yeah. Okay. And causes trouble. And just from the trailer, it looks like an interesting thing where it's like, are we cheering for (laughs) creepy Julianne Moore because creepy Natalie Portman is ruining their lives? Like, it looks very interesting. It's one of those movies where you're like, I feel bad about cheering for this person. Is Portman an actress playing the Julianne Moore character in the biopic or is she the yeah, director Port- of Portman the... Portman is a famous actress okay. who wanted to have a meeting with Julianne Moore to say, hey, I'm in this movie. Can I talk to you about your side of the story? Okay, okay. And then stuff goes crazy. Did they... Oh, you don't even know. You I don't even know. The movie. I, I, was gonna, I had follow-up questions, but I'm like, you didn't make this movie. It's a very good trailer, though. Okay. Well, the premise already, it almost is getting to, like, Charlie Kaufman territory. You know? Yeah. And I don't think it's anything too meta or anything. Yeah. But it's just, like, this actress comes into their lives, and instead of coming into their life, asking a few questions and leaves, she says, like, oh, maybe I could... Oh, she, she's dinner. trying to hook Maybe up I, with the I think son, so. or the, not think, the son, yeah. whatever. The teenager who's not a teenager anymore. Damn. And then maybe there's some weird twist or something where yeah. it's like, actually. Yeah. Th- it looks really weird, but it looks cool. And it's an Ottawa premiere. So. Okay. Is it, it's not a comedy, I'm assuming. No, it looks like it's a drama. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. But that you, looks really, I love both those actresses. So Yeah. I was about to say, it was a slow burn on Julianne Moore. It took me a second. I was like, oh, wait, yeah, those are, they're both amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I assume this is a great movie. They don't really pick <laughs> bad movies. No, and it's great when we get the Ottawa premiere of something with that caliber behind it. Speaking of Ottawa premieres, back for its fourth consecutive one-night-only month is the Ottawa premiere of Cade the Tortured Crossing. And it doesn't happen unless it's done well. Yeah. Or, like I was, my friend last night was like, oh, yeah, wasn't that supposed to be like one night only ever in life? And it's like, yes, yeah. we have in the past. I mean, I think that's kind of every movie of his has been that where he's I like, think so, it's yeah. only one guaranteed night. And then we don't know. We assume it's only one ever. And then he has, you know, relinquished. And he's like, OK, a second night. And then he's like, OK, a third night. And I'm pretty sure it's all gone that way. But there's no guarantee ever. No, and you look at, you know, Greg's coming here with Miracle Valley and playing it for three nights. But yeah, Breen has this business model of one night onlys and a month in between. There isn't even an option. If we were like, hey, do you want us to play it on Friday, Wednesday, and Thursday at nine? Nope, it's just that one night only. Or even the first and the 30th, he would still say no, probably. Yeah, yeah. And so again, we're not trying to oversell it. (laughs) But if you are a fan who hasn't seen it yet on the big screen... This might be it. I honestly kind of feel like this will be it. Like Probably. it's rare to I don't think the others have done five nights. No, and in very small diminishing returns, the first, second, and third screening have had lesser attendance. Right. But the third one, still enough for us to go, yeah, we could do this one more time. And the first one was like banging. Like that one oh, was. Oh yeah, like, the first one was packed. Yeah, yeah. That was a really good night. And it's a Neil Breen movie, so it's hard to explain, yeah. but it's a <laughs> sequel to Twisted Pear, right. and it's 
kind of a sci-fi action movie where he's fighting his evil twin. But it's also a commentary on the healthcare system, kind of. Yeah. And, like, the way we deal with mental health, kind of. And but, ninjas. Yeah, and it's... It's actually easy to describe, but it's difficult to make sense of. You have to see it. Like, you could easily give a one to two line explanation of yeah. what this movie is. Yeah. But that doesn't, you're not going to know, really. <laughs> and when I watched it, it was like, okay, I got that. There was a good guy. There was a bad guy. There was some fighting. <laughs> but then there's, like, the tiger. I'm not quite sure. It is the craziest. It's like some of it is, like, Sega Genesis graphics. Yes. Like, which is not upsetting to Breen fans, but, like, I don't know. And a lot of green screen where it's seemingly you didn't need to do green screen screen i didn't it's perplexing it might be his most perplexing movie which is saying something like <laughs> yeah uh, but it's very it's the most brain movie i think he's ever made and you finish it and it's like you've just watched the most art house of independent films and you sit there shell-shocked with your friends yeah. and you're like what just happened yeah i defy anyone to do a double bill of big shark and cade i don't know if yeah you could do that <laughs> yeah and so then we have three very different retro classic films. All right. For its 20th anniversary, House of a Thousand Corpses. This is a big deal. Well, for lots of reasons. But for one, I have a birthday party at Quinn's Saturday night. Oh. And so I had no intention of... Well, I mean, I wanted to go to the movie, but I was like, oh, birthday first. You know, it's not my thing. Yeah. And so it's 7 to 10. And yeah. And he's like, you can stay later if you want. So the more I thought... A friend of mine messaged me and was like, when's House playing? And I was like, of a thousand corpses? Yeah. Because like, there's so many movies There's called a movie House. called House. Yeah, we don't, there's two <laughs> at least. You know, so anyways. And so I was like, well, it's at nine. And then my brain starts moving. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, so if I go a little earlier than seven to the thing, put in two-ish hours, yeah, yeah, sneak across and like get my seat, put my stuff down, whatever. And I was like, I think I can do this. Like, and, and then I was like, oh my god, I want to watch it. And so I told my friend ahead of time, I was like, will you be offended if I leave at around nine fifteen to go watch a thousand corpses? <laughs> and he's like, the fact that you told me ahead of time, like that's cool. As long as you're there, you know, early and whatever, like he didn't mind. But it's funny because just my friend asking about it made me be like, I can't miss out on this. Like, I need to watch this. Just bring everybody from the party. I want to, and I. I don't know i don't think that'll happen i think they'll just keep drinking but we'll see but at the very least like i really didn't think i'd see this and now that i am seeing it i'm very very excited i do judge them for saying house versus corpses i don't uh, yeah or even like h1k like i would have kind of <laughs> yeah. maybe known what he was talking about but yeah this movie i remember when this was coming out it took seven years i think it was like, forever yeah because they put yeah. out the teaser on videos and it was just like a 30 second thing and it was like an open grave and whatever and i remember and it was going to be the craziest goriest movie ever and all this stuff and then it finally came out and there was just all these horror stories behind the scenes and stuff like that and on screen i guess and yeah you know it's kind of texas chainsaw massacre but it's got a young rain wilson pre-office you know rain wilson like sid haig is amazing it's not everyone's gonna like it but it's a fun movie and it is such a like having not seen it since the dvd came out you know it is such a time capsule that i'm looking forward to seeing you know yeah and I like Rob Zombie as a person because he looks like Rob Zombie, but he's a fan of the monsters. Oh, yeah. And he's really in... He can talk about horror movies. He can talk about classic horror cinema. Yeah, and his collection is amazing. Like him, Kirk Hammett as well from Metallica. Like they just have the best horror collections of props and all this posters, all this stuff. There's an episode of Cribs with Rob Zombie that's infamous because he has all his VHS collection. Oh, yeah. At the time was a big deal. <laughs> but like, oh my God, this movie gets overshadowed a lot by its sequel, Devil's Rejects, which is rightly considered his best work. Yeah. It's just, it's great. It's a lot more of its own thing and a lot more like not just Texas Chainsaw. But this movie, it's kind of, I don't know, it's got a charm to it. And, and like, 
like a kind of a weirdness. Well, more than kind of a weirdness. <laughs> and it's fun because it did garner action figures and comic books. Yeah. So it does have this little world around it as well. Yeah, and I mean, and there's three movies. It's got a whole franchise at this yeah. point. The third one is pretty good too. I don't love all of Rob Zombie's stuff, but I like that he's having fun and he's trying. It doesn't all work for me, but I'm like, I always give him a try. I like his whole thing of he did halloween because after corpses and devil's rejects he got a bunch of offers and he said every time he sat in a room it was nothing but remakes and sequels yeah the blob he was supposed to do for a yeah. while there and so he basically looked at halloween and he was like well if i don't do halloween somebody's gonna do halloween and, and i want to try doing a halloween <laughs> so i'm gonna do it yeah and it's like they'll never reboot halloween after yeah. this yeah no I, yeah i wasn't the first halloween not Terrible. The second one, not for me. But again, I like that he's trying stuff. Yeah. So it's the 20th anniversary of that. And then we have the 50th anniversary of Lady Snowblood, which I've never seen. Same, yeah. And it's kind of infamous because talk about Rob and Texas Chainsaw. Quentin Tarantino <laughs> is very much a copycat kind of filmmaker, for better or for worse, depending on if you're a fan of Quentin or not. But this movie is where a lot of Kill Bill came from. So this is the 50th anniversary restoration of that. And so if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, you will notice, I think, some of the characters and some of the fights and some of the themes. Some of the shots, for sure. Some of the shots, I think, <laughs> are shot per shot. Yeah, like, definitely. But to have a 50-year-old movie like that fixed up and on the big screen is always super fun. And then the final movie this week is Gilda continuing our Noir-vember film fest. And it's not Gilda Radner related, which it is is not. pops into my head literally every time. 11 out of 10 times, that's what I think of. But this movie was a Cannes Film Fest Grand Prize of the Festival nominee. Just in having seen the trailer a couple times, it's really iconic Rita Hayworth moments in this movie. And I could be wrong. I should have looked this up. But I think the short story is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Right. And then the movie is just the Shawshank Redemption. Mm -hmm. But I think the poster is from this movie. Okay. I believe. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's just these film noir movies look so nice on the big screen. And it's that fun time travel of watching it somewhere where it screened <laughs> in 1946. Yeah, absolutely. There's just something about that feel you're not going to get anywhere else. I like it when we screen... It was a few years back we screened It's a Wonderful Life. Not mm. quite sure if we're squeezing that in this year or not. But when we went into the movie, it was no snow. And we came out of the movie, and it was like the most beautiful slow-motion winter wonderland snowfall happening. Yeah. And oh my God, it was perfect. It was just the best. <laughs> yeah, and that was when you cried when people... They, you look like you're crying right now, actually, just oh, thinking yeah. about that. But yeah, when they clap, they always clap at the end of What's Wonderful Life here. Yeah. I don't know. So. Well, and there's a part where lunatic Jimmy Stewart <laughs> is running down the street and he says, hello, old movie house. And there's a cutaway to this Mayfair type theater. Do they cheer? Oh, all the time. Every time <laughs> when that happens, the audience cheers. Well, that, speaking about cheering, we brought Gwen's parents who are visiting from the East Coast to come and see Stop Making Sense. Oh, oh, interesting. Which was so good. Yeah, my friends came. They said it was great. But what's fun, her mom was laughing because the suspension of disbelief, because it's a true concert film. It's not like The Last Waltz where there's a bit of interview stuff in there. You know, it's a concert film. After the songs, people would clap. And as the movie rolled along, more people got into it and would clap and cheer after each song. The band can't hear us, <laughs> but people were still doing it, yeah. you know? And I love that kind of, yeah, that weird suspension of disbelief when you come see a movie. Sometimes people come see just a movie, you know, and you cheer or you clap at the end. Yeah. 
there's no one on stage no. receiving those applause. Like Breen, like that's what it's like for Kate. Yeah, yeah. Every pretty much throughout, and every time Neil Breen's name came on screen, they clapped, and I was like, oh yeah, if he was here, I think he'd be honored. Yeah, yeah. So that is the movies we are screening the week of Friday, November seventeenth. We're going to wrap things up just a little bit early in our conversation because I'm going to tag our interview on to the end of this. So after we go away, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I was thinking like you put it in the middle. We could have our intro, then your interview, oh. and then talk about the movies at the end. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. I thought about saying it before we started talking about the movies, but I don't want to throw your flow off. You know? Yeah. We'll that see. Could work. It'll be a surprise. It'll I know. If I could find a couple of trailers that work. Yeah. I was asking the guy, I said, is there a trailer that says The Locksmiths? And he goes, there's not. And that's so a you problem. could say it. I could, yeah. You should have it like we could, or I could be like, The Locksmiths. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good. But uh, yeah. In the we'll, world. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Right now, I will say, go to MayfairTheater.ca for all your movie listings and on social media to find out upcoming stuff. We've actually got the next couple of weeks more or less figured out, so I'm trying mm, to get those online. Love it. And we'll have lots of cool Christmas stuff for the uh, holiday season. And you can cut this together like memento. Like, we won't oh, yeah. even know what order it's in. You're <laughs> like, wow, this will be fun to listen to. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. And either right now you'll hear an interview, or maybe you already have. Oh, man, it's happening. Or is it? Oh, that new Cage movie, Butcher's Crossing, by the way, hit digital. Didn't even come out to theaters. What are you guys even doing? Fools. Howdy, folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as... Dr. Satan. Do you know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... Yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. ...is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. <laughs> the boogeyman is real. <laughs> and you found him. Please don't kill us. From director Rob Zombie <laughs> comes a journey into hell. This can't be real, this can't be real, this can't be real. House of a Thousand Corpses. Hope you like what you see! Okay, so, and now I am joined by Carl Welch, who is an actor and producer on The Locksmiths, which is coming up here at the Mayfair on Thursday, November 23rd. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So maybe just give me a quick little history of The Locksmiths and your involvement in it. Well, The Locksmiths started with director Sean Stanley and Dave Letty, the main star. It was their kind of idea for a movie. And I think they wrote it a little while back, but with the pandemic happening, it was kind of that perfect storm of timing that they were free to make the movie. So it took some finagling around the rules and stuff, but we worked within the confines of that. But a lot of people had some time off. So that actually helped us a lot because we got a lot of people involved that had some free time. And they had written this movie, comedy. It's it's uh, the really short version is it's about a guy who accidentally starts a cult. And I got involved through actually 
finding them some locations to shoot some uh, areas. From there, I started getting into the movie a little bit, and I started like giving my two cents, maybe more than I was supposed to. And they started using some of the ideas, and then I was I would actually get in. I was in the movie, so then they actually and they took one character and they changed it to be me in the movie. So that's how I became an actor in the movie. And then just with helping out so much and with the promotion afterwards, they made me a producer. So it was my first time producing. I was going to say before this acting and producing gig. Was that something you wanted to be when you grew up, or did you completely stumble into this? Well, I am a musician, so I've, I've been a traveling musician for a long time. And in reality, I used to travel with this band called Canary Mine across Canada and stuff. And, and it was almost half comedy show anyway. Like in between songs was a lot, of, a lot of bits and stuff like that. So I've always been into acting and making videos. We also make funny comedy videos with this other band called The Whack and Seas and stuff. So, which is like a, a rap band that raps about things you just should not rap about, like how much we like caravans and such like that. So I've always been into this and I've always wanted to do it more, but in some ways it did fall in my lap, but it is something I've always been interested in. And when we were kids, we used to make movies with the old VHS camera and just stop it, rewind it. If you had to shoot it again, you had to rewind it and start it again. And hopefully the edit worked out kind of thing. So speaking of VHS, that's a good segue. I'm very distracted and probably could spend our whole time here just chatting about Jumbo Video because okay, with no disparaging remarks about Jumbo Video, I had no idea that was a thing still because in Ottawa, all the chain video stores are gone. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I didn't know there was still one either. Yeah. But it's right down the road from where Sean lives, the director, Sean. So, And that's actually a really cool story. You go in there. I, I had never been in there because I actually live like 45 minutes away from where that is. So I'd never been in it in the first place. Although there is a beer store near it, I have been to that. But it's a really cool store. They got a lot of tons of great stuff in there. So we got them to kind of help promote the movie. And for our first release in London, they gave us bags and bags of popcorn to give away kind of thing. And and they gave us some t-shirts to throw out. So I got some uh, really nice jumbo video t-shirts. I didn't know it was around either, but it's a big store. I'm glad they're still there. When I was in junior high, there was a jumbo video near to my school and we had this just kind of stand by me caliber lunch breaks where we would sneak through a hole in the fence and i always think teachers must have been like where did 75 percent of the students go because nearby was an arcade the jumbo video where us hooligans could get free popcorn yeah and a mcdonald's and a corner store and from my point of view we were all there and i just remember going in and the poor 20 year old who was working at jumbo video and us kids would be like oh, may we have a free popcorn while we browse? And yeah. <laughs> it's a store that has a history with me. And I just, I thought they were gone. So it's, it's nice that they're still hanging in there in this digital age of home entertainment. Yeah, we made, so we made, uh, so you probably saw obviously the little uh, advertisement we made there. Yeah, yeah. And they let us have free run of that store. We could have done anything. We did clean up the popcorn we made a mess of. But we also made them a couple little teasers about their popcorn just for them. And they're behind us 100%. They're so nice about it. Actually, they're going to put that, when we finally do uh, release it out as a rental, they're going to put it on their shelves kind of thing. And they still do a lot of popcorn business, it sounds like. So they have the free popcorn, but also people come in and buy bags of that popcorn. And yeah, they have tons of t-shirts, games. Yeah, lots of stuff in there. Yeah, we could talk about that for an hour. Really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a cool place. And actually, everybody I was in there shooting with that little commercial with, I think they each bought five DVDs. Yeah. But they're like, oh my God, I don't have this one in my collection. So they probably made a little money that day too from us. <laughs> and the locksmiths 
is already kind of out in the world. I see it won an award out in Vancouver. Yes, won Best Feature Comedy at the Vancouver Independent Film Festival in 2022. And we did release it in uh, April in London. And we did one more showing in Godridge. Kind of a weird spot to release a movie, but they have a little theater in the uh, museum there. So we did it there. And now we're doing Ottawa. And I think we'll have a Toronto one after this. So it is out in the world, but it's not out. It's not streaming or anything yet. So we wanted to do a couple more showings before we try and release it streaming or something. It's comedies and horror films are the best things to watch with a crowd. Yes. And the complete opposite ends, like the most family-friendly slapstick comedy or the most terrifying Texas Chainsaw, you kind of get that reaction of people sitting around you. Yes. So I don't know if this one, because I haven't seen it yet, but you say it's like a cult and I've seen the stuff of guys in robes and stuff. So is it like kind of comedic horror or comedic thriller, I guess? Or I actually called it uh, kind of an art comedy because it's shot really nice. It's a little dark. My dad came to the uh, release and he came out and he said, I really liked it. It was a little dark for me. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's it's not that. It, I wouldn't say it's super dark by any means, but but uh, it, it's a little dark comedy for sure. It's got a you know, it's not really a horror. I wouldn't say it's a little slapsticky for sure. But yeah, I guess I guess when you think cult, you kind of get that idea in your head. But it's not. There's not too much horror. There's a little gore, I guess I should say. But uh, you know, you might have to cover your eyes for one scene or something. That'd be a good dad quote for the VHS box. Yeah, <laughs> a little dark for me. <laughs> so are you guys on to a next project yet, or are you still focusing on working on this one? Well, we have a couple projects in the works, meaning like written. I would say three quarters written. Yeah. Because we'll, we tweak a few things, right? But but we're trying to decide which way to go, you know, it's because uh, we have one in, one in that we would need definitely like a little more of a a bigger budget for to do right but we're also thinking about a locksmith too which we could you know there we have that idea and we have lots of little comedy ideas coming out like we're going to shoot some video actually we just did a video for a band called complimentary towel so we're we're still shooting some things like that but for movie wise it's either going to be this this newer idea or the locksmith too depending on which uh kind of we can get together really like it's kind of a guessing game at this point but we would definitely need a little funding so I hope when we release this, we can like maybe maybe do some crowdfunding or something. I mean, this trying to get like music's I've been doing music a long time. The movie side is a little a little new to me to see what how people do fun things kind of thing. But yeah, so but Locksmiths too, and possibly this other one we're working on. Yeah, it's just it's a full time job in itself doing all the boring stuff around yeah doing the movie where you think oh well writing it and shooting it but before and afterwards. And I find that's a big flaw a lot of times afterwards where somebody finishes a movie and you go, oh, we're done. Yeah. But then you've still got to get it out to the world and that could be another year of your life. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what this has kind of been, right? Just, yeah, making all these little videos and we've made separate videos for each release kind of thing. So, you know, just trying to advertise as much as we can, just trying to get people's interest. It's really hard to get interest online with something when uh, there's so much stuff out there to look at and you know, you can put it on groups and you might get a little bit of interest. I just figured if we could keep it a little different each time, hopefully we can, you know, the third time somebody sees something new, they'll be like, all right, I'm going to give this a chance kind of thing. And and hopefully we can uh, sell some tickets that way. But you're totally right. This is the struggle. It's like putting out an album with a band. You make it, you do this, you tour it. And, and then it's, yeah, well, although the touring is, that can be a fun part too. Touring with a movie is a little different, obviously. It's, that's what I'm kind of relating this to, but it's, it's a definitely a harder sell. Yeah, and especially nowadays, like I always think about the people who made independent films. Like, say you made the exact same movie in 1973. 
you'd be shooting on film, you need different sound equipment, you need a bigger crew. Yeah. There's a quote in Bruce Campbell's autobiography where he basically says, the great thing nowadays is anybody can make a movie. And the bad thing nowadays is anybody can make a movie. Yeah. So it's both more good competition, other good movies being made, but also, yeah, like you go to something like YouTube and it's filled with shorts and it's, and a lot of them yeah. could be good, but it just means that once upon a time, if you made an independent film, it was truly a miracle. Right. And now it's still impressive, but you've got a lot more competition. And yeah. And I've heard recently we've had a couple of independent films come through and they said just the competition at film fests. Yeah. Because once upon a time, it might be a hundred submissions and now it is genuinely 2000 submissions. So it's just a lot more to get through. Yeah. And, you know, we found definitely with a comedy, it's harder to get into a film fest in the, you know, it's hard to get into film festivals with a comedy. It seems to be, and maybe it's just the timing. Maybe people just don't want to, after the pandemic, maybe. But again, it's a little bit newer to me. But I do relate it all back to music, the same idea. And it's the same, you could say the same quote for albums. You know, it used to be like, oh, somebody put out a great album. It was a lot of painstaking work. Now you can do it in your bedroom. Some of those bedroom ones are better than the ones they do in studios. Some of them are not, right? But there's a lot. It's like a, a needle in a haystack, and the haystack is just massive. Oh, yeah. Like even it's my biggest old man thing is that when I was in <laughs> high school doing communications class, yeah, it was we had like a couple of video cameras and working on, you know, pre-internet computers. Yeah. And I see now what people are working on. We've had a couple of really fun rentals where a grade school comes in and they have made a bunch of stop motion animation and it's just an ambitious teacher. Yeah. And she's using her laptop and her cell phone and some of this stuff that these kids are making is really good. But once upon a time, that would have been a film camera and yeah. editing on traditional editing, like pre-computer editing. It would have been impossible for a bunch of grade five kids to do that. Yeah. So it's really great now that both in that sense and like in your sense, doing the locksmiths in the 80s would have costed you 10 times as much money just to rent the cameras practically. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. If they would have rent them to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to sign your life away just to take it out of the building kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys are doing a good job, too, just in that, like, of getting the word out. Because, like, I have reposted a few Facebook videos and that kind of thing. And advertising does work. Just getting the word out. Someone on our Facebook will see that, and then they'll tell somebody, and they'll come. It's that extra work where it is. Like, you finish a movie, or I'm sure you finish an album, and you're like, and we're done. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, wait. <laughs> This is the painstaking part. Yeah. The fun part is over. Yeah. No, it's totally like that. Well, we seem to have a decent team with this because Sean is really, he's the movie guy. He's the editor. He's done some like, he edited Clerk. Oh, right. Yeah. The Kevin Smith documentary. And so he does lots of this stuff. And then I find myself getting more into the role of this pushing the promotion. Right. Kind of thing. Uh, I mean, maybe it comes from the music background. So yeah, it's, we got a pretty good team there together and. Like if I was like, oh, we should make this little funny advertisement, he'll kick it back to me in four hours kind of thing. Uh, we actually have some more new ones coming out because we're giving away those hockey tickets. Oh, right. Yeah. So we we made a couple more little ones about that that hopefully will pique somebody's interest to come see a comedy movie and possibly win some hockey tickets. But I saw it too, like speaking of his other work, I noticed on IMDb that he worked on the Winnipeg documentary for Phantom of the Paradise. Yes, he edited that. Which is a whole phenomenon in itself. It is, it is. And you know what, uh, speaking of that, I believe they've come to some kind of arrangement that's going to be released soon, I believe. So. Oh, cool. 
I'm not involved in that, so I don't want to say too much. But yeah, I believe they're going to have a release on that soon. I believe something's going on with that. So oh, if that comes out, I'm sure we will get it because that's a Mayfair type place in Winnipeg. Yeah, that has an association with that movie. Yeah, kind of. I think the same way that we played The Room or Rocky Horror all the time. Yeah, well, yeah, the whole story behind that is actually quite fascinating. Yeah, if you ever wanted to talk to Sean, I could set that up with you too. And yeah, yeah, he has so many stories about that and stuff. And he loved that movie, right? So that's why he's involved in it too. So, and so will a bunch of you be making the road trip to the Mayfair for the 23rd of November? Yes, me and the star Dave will be there and Sean Stanley, the director, he'll be there too. And Excellent. Yeah, and then we're sticking around for the after party. I'm pl- I play in one of the bands that are in the after party. So we'll be sticking around for that. And I think we might even go to this hockey game. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, that's right. We should mention that. I can't even skate myself. Yeah. <laughs> we should mention that, that our good friends, our pals across the street at House of Targ. Yeah. Come see the movie. And then there'll be festivities at House of Targ afterwards. Yeah, three acts. I can't remember. I, I know uh, Area Resident is one of them and Lives Like Skyscrapers. I play drums in that band. And then the other guy's name is slipping me right now, but I watched one of his videos the other day. He plays cello. Okay. And it was amazing. I was blown away by how good it was. So I could probably look his name up really quick here, but it's got like four names in it. So that's why it's hard to remember. <laughs> People who look on the old internet and get an update. Yeah. 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 The internet will tell you everything. Have you been to House of Tard before? I have not. I've played a lot of places in Ottawa. But I've never, I've never been to House Targ, no. We used to play, um, this was it Zaphods? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. That's where we used to play all the time when I was younger. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's like the famous Ottawa yeah. cornerstone bar, yeah. Oh, it was great times there. I lots of good times there. And we played, uh, you know, the Bistro, I think one is called. And we just played another place last year down there. But, uh, yeah, no, I've never been to House Targ. Here, it's great. It's So they got, like, uh, arcade there, too, or something, right? Yeah, it's pinball and pierogies. That's their gimmick. Okay. And so they only serve various forms of pierogies. Nice. And then they have a big row of pinball and a bunch of classic video games. I'm addicted to Dig Dug, and I play that a lot there. I love Dig Dug, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they have a lot of great bands in all the time. My wife and I, by happenstance, it was on our anniversary, and we got married at House of Targ and the Mayfair. Oh, wow. And uh, it was the five, six, seven, eights who are the band who were in Kill Bill. Yes, yeah. They were so good. They were so good. From Japan, right? Are they from Japan or? Yeah, three ladies from Japan touring these little clubs around Canada. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, I have some friends that just went to the Toronto one, I believe. I, I didn't make it myself. Yeah, so they get that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, they, uh, yeah, well, from all my friends down there, they said, oh, this is a great spot. So, and it just happened to be right across the street, which is, you know, even more perfect. It really is. It's fun anytime we play a rock and roll movie or on occasion a video game documentary or something like The Last Starfighter. We'll do a little House of Targ presents oh, yeah. and do a crossover, give away some prizes, that kind of thing. So Nice. Yeah, The Last Starfighter. Whoa, that's bringing it back. That was a great movie. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so do you have any kind of closing remarks, pitch for the locksmiths for our listeners? Well, I just hope everybody comes out and uh, enjoys the movie. It's a really fun movie. Yeah, it's like I said, it's about a guy who accidentally starts a cult. Dave, the star, is hilarious. We have some other great people in it. And a lot of these people I didn't know beforehand, but I was on side set for some of their parts and was just, it was hysterical. I was laughing for the whole time kind of thing and like had to keep myself quiet. But yeah, it's a really fun movie. So hopefully you come out if you like cults, if you like people dressed in blue. If you uh, want to win some hockey tickets, we'll probably, we'll be selling some hats. We've got these hats. Merch. Stuff like that. And, you know, support all independent movies in general, but especially this one, I would say. This is the one you really, this is, you should, if you've never done it, this is the one you should start with. <laughs> the Locksmiths.
Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can find more information on The Locksmiths and on all of our other movies at MayfairTheater.ca and on the various social medias. And thanks for joining us, Carl, and I will see you on November 23rd. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, and yeah, see you then. Ottawa, we're bringing The Locksmiths to Thursday, November 23rd at the Mayfair Theater. Guys, this is an award-winning feature comedy film. Coming to the Mayfair, doors open at 6, movie starts at 6.30, then keep that ticket, okay? Walk across the street to the house at Target for some amazing live music. Wait, are you telling me there's a, a night of Canadian comedy, Canadian filmmaking, and Canadian live music in our great Canadian nation's capital? Come on. Can't wait to see Ottawa.